0: Welcome to the Legacy Teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, that every heart is receptive. I thank you, Father God, that every ear is attentive. I thank you, dear Father, that every mind is open and alert and concentrating on your word this evening. And as the words go forth out of my mouth, they shall go forth in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And faith will be produced in the hearts of the hear, in the power of the living God. I thank you, I praise you, and believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. We are word people. We believe in the word of God. We believe in its provisions. It cannot fail. Amen. We are praying people. We believe in prayer. This is the first lesson in our prayer series. Lesson number one prayer series kinds of prayer. There are different kinds of prayer. In the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. God doesn't want us to be weaklings. He wants us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What is the power of his might? He upholdeth all things by the word of his power. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, "...against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all this, stand, stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace." Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench every fiery dart of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The Amplified version of the Bible in verse 18 says, or it includes this thought, Pray with all manner of prayer. Pray always with all manner or different kinds of prayer. In Luke 18 and verse 1, we are told, you don't have to turn to it, Men ought always to pray. The Amplified says it this way, Men ought always to pray and not turn coward, nor faint, or lose heart, and give up. Men aren't always the prey. Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Pray with all different kinds of prayer. Prayer is joining forces with God. Someone said, pray, dear brother, pray for so-and-so. So-and-so's backslidden, not serving God, and there's nothing left I can do except pray. Oh, beloved brother and sister in the Lord, what do you mean that's all you can do but pray? That's what you can do is pray. That's not all that you can do. That's what you can do, Bless God. You can pray. Amen? I don't believe in being defeated. I don't believe that, you know, when we join forces together with God in prayer, that we have to be a defeated foe and say, well, that's all I can do but, but pray. That's what we can do. We can join forces together with God and we can pray. God does not want us to be defeated, and He doesn't want our brothers and sisters to be defeated. And so He has provided for us The church. The church. A way, a provision to meet our every need. And it's through the means of prayer. So the Father is concerned about everything that we do. Everything that we do. He wants to be involved in everything that we're involved in. And he has made a way for us to be successful, and that's the way of prayer. Now, we need to know, need to know some certain things concerning the subject of prayer if we are going to pray effectively. There are different kinds of prayer. And we need to understand that and be familiar with that. There are different kinds of prayer, and these different kinds of prayer have certain rules, regulations, or certain spiritual laws that govern them. Sometimes I think we like to mix up our praying, and because of it, we pray ineffectively. It's like one teacher said, I want to give you the example of sports. He said, if you were to get all the different kinds of sports that we have today, and try to play all those different kinds of sports... By mixing up all the rules and the regulations that apply to the sports. In other words, if you were to try to play baseball by football rules, you'd have a mess on your hands. And if you try to play basketball by baseball rules, then you'd have a mess on your hands also. And if you try to play soccer by the rules that apply to table tennis, you'd have a mess on your hands also. Amen? So there are different kinds of sports and there are different kinds of rules that govern these certain sports. Well, it's the same thing with prayer. There are different kinds of spiritual laws that govern and rules that govern the different kinds of prayer and we need to know how to be familiar with them and how to use them effectively if we're going to be effective in our prayer life Now the most frequent prayer that's prayed in the body of Christ or in Christendom I believe is the prayer petition or we could call it the prayer of faith It's found in in Mark 11:24 and Matthew 21 and 21 and 22 Now remember over there, Jesus said, All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. That's the prayer of petition. The prayer of faith or the prayer of petition. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Now, I want to ask you a question. Did Jesus lie? Did Jesus lie when he said that? No, he didn't lie. Well, someone said, Well, I asked in prayer this petition I had unto the Lord. And I believe, but I didn't get it. And right off the bat, you just throw away and say, well, it mustn't have been God's will. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, everything, all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. I'm not going to throw away that prayer and say, God didn't hear me. Or throw away that prayer and say, it didn't work for me. You know, God's not going to answer my prayer. It mustn't be His will. I'm going to check out the spiritual laws. I'm going to find out the different kinds of prayer, and I'm going to see if I was playing football with baseball rules and trying to make a touchdown, and it didn't work. I'm going to find out, in other words, if I should have been interceding and praying a different type of prayer instead of praying the prayer of petition in my circumstance or in my situation. I'm going to find out where I missed it. I'm going to find out where I went wrong. That way, when I am confronted with the same situation, I'll know exactly what to do. I'll know exactly how to pray, and I will get my a- prayer answered. Now, the same prayer is found in Mark 11:24. The only thing about Mark 11, 24 is that he, in Mark 11:24 tells you what you are to believe. Now, as I said, I'm not going to get into this right now. I just want to talk a little bit about prayer. Here he says, What things, soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. He's talking about the prayer petition, which is basically for you. Now, you see, the Father wants to meet our every need. He said in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. I want you to be a prosperous people. And I have given to you a way whereby you can prosper. I've given you a prayer life. I've given unto you my word. I've given you a means whereby you can come into my throne and you can pray and ask me anything that your heart's desire is and it will be given unto you. Now, that's what he said and that's exactly what Jesus meant. But people have taken the prayer petition and they've tried to use that prayer petition for their next door neighbor. They did not get results and they said this faith business doesn't work. You can't play football with baseball rules and expect to get an answer. Do you see what I'm saying? You can't do that. You can't pray the prayer of faith when you should have been praying a different type of prayer to get your answer and expect to get an answer from God. It doesn't work that way. He said, well, then why did God put such spiritual laws into existence? So to keep the devil away from our territory. That's why. To keep Satan's hands off of our prayer life. Why do you think he gave you an unknown tongue? So the devil wouldn't know what you were praying. Boy, I'll tell you what, I heard this one completed Jew speak not too long ago. And he said, you know, the Bible says that we're going to speak a pure language when we get to heaven. One universal language in heaven, a pure language. And he said, did you know that there's only one language in all the earth that doesn't have any curse words in it? He said, that's Hebrew. Hebrew is the only language in the earth that there are no curse words, no swear words in that language. It's a pure language. He said, so whenever the Jews got mad and upset, if they wanted to curse or swear, they had to borrow a word from a neighboring country. See? They had to borrow a word from somebody around them. Because there were no, you know, swear or curse words in that language. Well, it's the same thing when you give a heavenly language. I believe that when God gives us a heavenly language, in that heavenly language we are praying the pure word of God. You think about that for a moment. You think about it. Praying the pure Word of God. What other words are there? I mean, I've got God's Word right there. If I'm going to pray, what what should I be praying? The Word. I should be praying the Word every time I pray. When I get off into other tongues, I believe, I really believe this, that I'm getting off into the Word of God, only I'm not doing it according to this head knowledge. I'm doing it out of my spirit. I mean, that's God right there. You can't pray bigger than God, can you? So bless God, He gives us another tongue to pray. Well, that's why He's made this this provision for us. That's why He's given us the Holy Ghost to pray and That's why He's given us His Word to pray by. But nobody takes the time to study the Word, to get into the Word of God, to find out what rules apply to the different kinds of prayer. How should uh, I be praying in this certain situation or circumstance? Now, Jesus also said in, in, in uh, Matthew seven eleven that if you're... You being an earthly parent or father can give good gifts to your children. How much more does your Father, your Heavenly Father, want to give you good things? It's not that the Father God doesn't want to meet our every need and provide everything that we need to live in this earth. He doesn't want you to be going around begging and, and, and making, you know, making it just day by day and not barely having enough to get along. No, the Father God wants you to learn how to prosper even as your soul prospers. And if you've been born again of the Spirit of God and got your mind renewed by the Word of God, then you are prospering within. Well, he wants you also to prosper without. He said, Godliness is profitable for all things. The promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Not just this life that is, you know, here. That one that is to come and this life, both of them together. He wants us to prosper in every facet of living. Everyone. Whether it's physical, mental, financial, spiritual. He wants us to be a prosperous people. And so he has given us a means whereby we can come against all the forces of darkness that are trying to destroy us, and we can be strong in a prayer life, strong in the Word, and come against the four different operations of the kingdom of darkness. Powers, principalities, wicked spirits in high places, spiritual wickedness in high places, and the rulers of the darkness of this world. We can be strong in the Lord by being strong in His Word, by using the Word, and I like to say it like this, by saying the Word and by praying the Word, we can effectively come against all the fiery, wicked darts of the devil and destroy and defeat them. In all of our lives, if we learn how to use the right kind of praying, the right kind of Word, according to the circumstance that we're in, and if we learn how to do it properly, we can learn how to overcome in every adverse circumstance. Now, those powers are found in the 12th verse of this chapter. Now, we're in a battle, in case you haven't discovered that yet. We are in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. battle. In the spiritual battle, you have spiritual weapons. The weapons of your warfare are not physical. They're not carnal. They're not natural weapons. You know, you're not going to beat somebody over the head... And try to get them helped or delivered. That's not the way to go about it. Some people are trying to use force to get their loved ones saved. And instead of getting them saved, they, you know, make them get further away from God. Because they're not using the right kind of praying, the right type of prayer. I know myself, in my own life, there's a lot in my family that I can't minister to as far as ministering the word or speaking the word. You know? And sometimes we try to only use one prayer to get them saved, the prayer of faith. That's not the only prayer in the Bible. And instead of using the prayer of faith, I think we should pray a lot of times scripturally. Now, Father, you know that I'd go. You know that I'd go there in a minute and preach the gospel to that person, my cousin or my uncle or so on and so forth. But you know they won't listen to me. I know they won't listen to me. So, Father God, send forth laborers under the field. And you surround that person with men and women of integrity that will speak your word and the Spirit of God to convince them, to convict them of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that it's done, Father. And then begin to glorify Him for it. See, there are different ways to pray concerning these matters. And then get yourself out of the picture. Don't even say a word about it. Don't even try to get that person delivered or saved. You can't do it. But God has given us a way in the Spirit whereby we can come against these wicked forces. Now, the first thing I think we need to know about these spiritual forces of darkness is that they are dethroned. So, you know, someone reads that and goes, yeah, the devil's like a roaring lion. Yeah, but his teeth are plucked out. Amen? He's just a little pussycat. I mean, really, you know, you hear people talk, you know, the devil this, the devil that. I don't think we should be talking about the devil this and the devil that. We should be talking about Jesus this and Jesus that. These spiritual forces of darkness, there are four different classes. That covers the whole spectrum of Satan's operation right there. Powers principalities, uh, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. That covers the entire spectrum of Satan's operation in the kingdom of darkness. That's all he's got working for him. Now these are different classifications, different kind of demonic forces and spirits. Some of them are smarter than others. Some of them rule. The rulers rule the, the, the lesser demons. And what they try to do is, is to maneuver. You know, if you're in a warfare, what does what, what the people try to do? The enemy tries to maneuver themselves into a position where they can defeat, okay, their enemy, right? They want to defeat them. Well, Satan tries to maneuver these here demonic forces and influences in such a way to strategically plant them in the course of your life and every day that you live in such a way that it keeps you away from the Word of God through pressures of life, afflictions, persecutions, the cares of this age and this world, and the lust of other things. He tries to to occupy your time. And you know, sometimes you sit back and say, Lord, it seems like, I don't know, I want to study your Word, I want to do this and I want to do that. And it's like a bondage that you're in. You can't seem to find any kind of time to get into the Word of God and, and to begin to pray. And you wonder why. And you try to work out your schedule to make it work right. And you try this and you try that and you try this and you try that. And before you know it, you know, it didn't work this week. And then you get back in that same old routine and that rut. And it didn't work that week. And all this happens and all that happens. And finally, you sit down and you say, Blessed be God, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's going on here? What's the matter here? Now, we get into another type of prayer. But like I said, I just want to talk tonight, if you don't mind. I just want to talk. Hallelujah. You get into another type of prayer. You sit back and you find out all this is going on in your life and you say, you finally get wise, you see. We're to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. You get wise and you find out, I'm not battling against flesh and blood. I'm battling against these powers, these principalities, these rulers of the darkness, these spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where my battle lies. And then you begin to think, but they are defeated fellow believers." But they are dethroned powers. They have been brought to naught, that's nothing, and they are declining to their end. They are minus one, minus two, minus three, minus four. Someone said they are one, two, three, four. No, I I, I disagree with that. They're minus one, minus two, minus three, and minus four. They're declining to their end. And you say, I see what they did. One old demon over there, one old demon over there, and one old demon over there, and, and the ruler right over there. And you got yourself above my roof, you old maniac. And you're trying to occupy my time. You're trying to get me into a position where I can't get into the Word of God. You're trying to keep me from fellowshipping with my Heavenly Father. I recognize this as being an onslaught, an attack, a direct attack of satanic activity against my life. But I want you to know, Mr. Devil, that I I am aware of your tricks and antics, and you're not going to pull this off on me any longer. And the first thing you do is you say, you come on down, you foul ruling religious spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ off your high place and your stronghold. I bind you. That's the prayer of binding and loosing. Right. I bind you in all your demon activity in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you foul cohorts that are operating with this, this ruling spirit in Jesus' name. I command you to depart from this place and never again cross the threshold of my life. And then loose the ministering spirit to dispel the forces of darkness around you. First thing you know, bless God, there's like a release in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Bless God, there's like a release in the Spirit. You can worship God again. You can get inside that Word. God seems to make your time go so, you know, everything that you do goes so fast that you say, Boy, i got a lot of time on my hands. You see, that's exactly what the devil's out there trying to do. But we've got to be aware of what he's doing. We've got to understand what he's doing. Sometimes we can get so caught up even in the work of the Lord that we forget the Lord of the work. And God doesn't want that. Our Father doesn't want that. See, prayer is actually fellowshipping with the Father also. It's spending time in fellowship with the Father through His Word. Well, these are the forces right here. And he said that if we're going to be strong in the Lord, we're going to have to be strong in the word, which which is the power of his might. And we're going to have to understand the operation of the armor that he has given us to protect ourselves. And the sword, how to use that sword in prayer against these demonic forces by praying always with all manner of prayer. In other words, it doesn't matter what dart this guy pulls out of his bag of tricks and throws your way. You have got a prayer that you can pray that can quench that fiery dart like that. If you pray the right prayer. And stand. Don't think you're not going to have to stand against the wiles of the devil. There's no room between those two words. He says, and having done all this, stand, in the next verse he said stand. Having done all the stand, stand therefore. You just stand. You stand, therefore, clothed and arrayed with the armor of God that he's given you. Now, we've got to understand how this armor works and uh, know how to use it. If we don't know how to use it, of course, it's not going to do us any good. Uh, You know, sometimes I think people just take some of these things by the letter. And they'll say, well, now, Lord, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation today. Now, Lord, I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness today. My loins are good about with truth. I thank you, dear Lord, I got my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And they walk off and start talking as negative as could be. I want you to know that your armor is faith armor. I want you to know that that shield of faith is the word of God that you're speaking. I want you to know that that breastplate of righteousness is you speaking the word concerning your righteousness. And I like to say it like this. Everything... That shield of faith. Everything that the blood of Jesus Christ stands for and means to you is what's covered by that shield of faith. Now, if healing, you don't believe in it, then that shield of faith will have everything except healing. You won't be protected from the fire dart of healing. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word that's in our testimony. So if you don't believe that God wants you to prosper... And there's a lot of people even in full gospel circles that don't believe God wants his people to prosper. Then every fire and dark that the devil shoots your way concerning poverty, you won't have any, anything to quench it with. Because you don't believe it's covered by the blood. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe that everything that that blood has been shed for, I want operating in my life, don't you? Everything that that blood has been shed for. And we have got a shield of faith whereby we can quench every fire of the devil if we believe that that blood was shed concerning whatever your need might be, no matter what it is. Now, we can readily see right here that if we don't understand how to use the armor, and if we don't understand how to use the word, and if we're not praying always, then the opposite will take place then these spiritual wickedness and these forces and these rulers are just going to, you know, team up together against your life and against your family, against your household to keep you in bondage so that you can't be effective in your prayer life for God. So I think we need to um, actually explain something about this armor, how it's used, and uh, not only explain how the armor is used, explain how we can effectively pray In every different circumstance and use the right type of praying so that with our prayers along with praying, we can not only quench every fire and dark, but bless God, we can get to a place where the wicked one can't even touch us because of our prayer life. Let me say it to you like this. The foundation for victory in every Christian endeavor, the foundation for victory in every Christian endeavor is a solid prayer life. If we don't have any prayer to back up anything that we're doing in Christendom, then you'll be a flat failure. You could have the greatest intellect. You could have gone to the greatest theological schools. You could have had the best education that any minister could ever have. I don't care how great it is. If you don't have any prayer behind you, you'll become a flat failure. Oh, you may start out as a success, but you'll eventually wind up as a flat failure because you are not fighting against forces that are common, that are, you know, in this natural realm, flesh and blood forces. You are fighting against spiritual forces. And the only way spiritual forces can be dethroned in our lives is by the word and prayer. Now, let me just talk a little bit about this armor. This armor is applied by faith. Actually, you don't ever take that armor off unless you speak with your mouth against what you've been given. It's there. You're in Christ Jesus. You're righteous already. You're saved already. You've got faith already. Your feet are shod with the gospel. You believe in it already. Your loins are good about with truth. You've got the truth of God's word already. But what people do is they forget that the only way these things can be in operation in an individual's life is by the words of their mouth or their prayer life. By what they're saying. I, I really recommend this. Instead of saying, Lord, I'm putting this on like as though you don't have it on, You'll begin to walk around like this. I acknowledge, remember Philemon 1.6 said that we should acknowledge every good thing which is in us in Christ Jesus, so that our faith may become effectual. I acknowledge today that my loins are girt about with truth. And therefore, I will walk in the truth and I will speak the truth today. And anything that is not of the truth, I will expose and I will rebuke in the name of Jesus. Okay? Now, I acknowledge today that I have, I am born of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I rejoice in righteousness. I do not rejoice in unrighteousness. Therefore, knowing that I am righteous in Christ Jesus already... I will walk in my righteousness or in my right standing with God. I will not allow condemnation to break the barrier of that shield and stick me with that fiery dart to make me think that I'm condemned before my God. And you speak it out and saying, Bless God, today I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I always will be. I will not be condemned. Actually, you're praying. Remember what I said? Saying is really praying, because of faith. See, pr- faith makes prayer work. Prayer doesn't make faith work. Jesus said, because of Mark 11:23, you can pray. Because of what you, I said, you can say. Now you can pray. You can say it or you can pray. It, it doesn't matter. But, bless God, as long as you begin to say that I am, what the Word says, I am concerning your righteousness, then condemnation, which is a fiery dart of the devil, of the wicked one, will not get into your life. But if you begin to acknowledge it, then even though that shield of, well, the breastplate of righteousness, you're there, you're righteousness of God in Christ, you have let down the shield of faith that would stop that, you know, righteousness from working. And consequently, you've yielded to the temptation to be condemned. Consequently, you'll walk around condemned for probably a month. So you didn't keep your switch of faith turned on. If you knew how to pray out of it, you'd get yourself right out of that thing in a hurry. Or if you knew how to say, say or pray, it really, you'd be better off saying most of the time because you'd be doing more saying than praying. You know why I say that? Because the only time people seem to get religious is when they pray. That's right. You know, talk negative all day long and then as soon as you get in prayer now, Father. You know, but listen, if you get used to saying, 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 and I'll tell you what, we've got to just start, begin. <laughs> if you haven't started already, you've got to begin a lot of the Spirit of God, put a watch before your lips. Because this is where this works. This is where it works, right? here. This is how prayer works. Prayer works. Prayer is nothing but words put together and presented to the Father God, right? Let me say it to you like this. You can go out and you can get many different kinds of well, you can get seeds, and you know that those seeds produce fruit. But you can go out and get somebody to man- manufacture you something that looks like that seed. It looks like it in color, in size, dimension, wise, and in every aspect of it looks the same. It's identical. You take those two seeds, artificial, real. You ever see any artificial flowers produce seeds? No, you're not going to either. You take those two seeds that are identically, identically look alike and you put them in the ground and you watch and see which one will produce fruit. There's, even though they look alike, you know, in every aspect, only one will produce anything. All right, now listen. The Word of God is a seed. Words are containers. They contain things. We can speak words that will produce life, and we can speak words that will produce death. God's Word has life in it. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They contain the ability to produce in you the life of God. Now, if that's true, to produce death and calamity in your life, you see... Artificially speaking, of course, you know that that little seed lookalike could not produce anything. But we've been told by God and His Word that life and death are in the power of the tongue and both life and death are produced through words. Prayer is nothing more than words being released from your inner man unto the Father that should be words of faith that contain his life, that can transform and transfigure your life. So the same thing works in in, in reverse. Words that contain death have an effect upon your life. They can destroy your life. And if you don't watch out, it can produce a tree of death in your life so that all, instead of being protected by the word of God, we could actually nullify all that God has done for us in our lives by speaking words of death. Now, I think that's very important. I think I need to establish that when we're going to get into prayer. Because if you'll start to realize that it's not what you're praying as much as it is as what you're saying, then we'll begin to watch what we're saying so that when we pray, we can pray effectively. And we'll find out here in Mark 11, 24, why, why Jesus said it would even work. Jesus said Mark 11:24 would work. Matter of fact, since we're there, Jesus in Mark 11:23 gave the law of faith this is a spiritual law remember i said that these prayers have certain laws that govern them rules and laws that govern them spiritual laws okay this is a spiritual law mark 11:23 is a spiritual law it's the prayer of faith or the prayer of petition in mark 11:24 but mark 11:24 being the prayer of petition or of faith only works because of Mark 11.23 when Jesus clearly stated that if you believe in your heart that those things that you say will come to pass, you will have whatsoever you say it. Therefore I say unto you, because of Mark 11.23, because that what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth comes to pass is what he's saying. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray. Mark 11.24 is involved in it Things, desires, and praying. And he gives you a law that governs the law of faith. Or the prayer of faith, rather. The spiritual law that governs the prayer of faith. And it's because of what you're saying from your heart and mouth will come to pass that you have the right to pray from your heart and mouth. And when you pray from your heart and with your mouth... He says, if you will pray and follow the guidelines of that law right there and believe that you received it, then he said it'll come to pass in your life. That is basically for each individual. That is not for you to pray like that prayer for everybody around you. That's why someone says, but I wouldn't pray the prayer of faith for that at certain individual over there and they didn't get it. Because you see, that's really not the prayer of faith. Really, when you pray with somebody like that, it's the prayer of agreement. As far as you can really go in the prayer of faith, Sometimes you can help others that are bona fide baby Christians. You know, just starting in the faith and you can get your faith to work for them. They'll get healed by your faith or get delivered by your faith. But they've got to learn to develop a prayer life of their own if they're going to get anything for themselves. And it's not going to work for very long. So the next step would be the prayer of agreement. You might have to pray the prayer of intercession. You know, these all are all prayers that change things, but there are different kinds of prayers. Now, let's go back here We're talking about this armor. You've got also your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now remember, them Roman sandals, them sandals that he's talking about, they separate you from the world. They separate your feet from the world. Remember over there in Proverbs, the fourth chapter, that we are to keep our feet in the right path. and don't go to the left nor to the right, but we're to walk on the right path. We then should begin, and this is how this armor is worked, this is how it works, this is how it's activated. We begin to say with our own mouths that I walk in truth. I do not walk in darkness. I walk in the light as he is in the light. And because of it, my feet will not step on satanic ground. I am not going to get myself into a position where the enemy has a stronghold over me. I will not walk into his territory. You walk into his ground and his territory, and then you wonder why God didn't rescue you or God didn't help you. That's why. We can't expect to get out from his protection and then begin to pray and pray and pray and pray, and pray while we're standing out there. He says, come and run into me, my name. It'll be a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe there. I find safety and protection under the wings of the Almighty. I find health, healing, and deliverance under the shadow of the Almighty. I find that God the Father, every time his child is walking in that atmosphere of his love and kindness and walking, you know, in light, that he never stumbles in darkness. But it's only when the Christian gets out of that protection and out of that loving care of the Father and out into the realm where he can be destroyed, either through lack of knowledge lack of wisdom, not rightly dividing the word of truth, misunderstanding their, about their prayer life. They get out there into some territory somewhere that satanic forces can get a hold of them. They know how to get back into the fold. Then they are an open prey for the devil. Although the Bible says no evil shall happen under the righteous, still evil happens to them because they don't know how to get back into the protection and care of the Father. Start saying it right now. My feet will walk in the light of his word. I will not allow myself to go into the left or to the right, but right down the narrow road that leads into life. I'm not going to give the devil any chance in my life. The Bible says, give him no place. Give him no place. That's how this armor works. It works by the word and prayer. As you begin to say it, as you begin to speak it, then it will begin to be activated in your life. If you think about it, it would be, you know, really odd. Every time... You walk around, you see Christians putting on their armor, taking it off, putting on, taking it off, putting on, taking it off. The armor's there. You're clothed with it. It's been given to you. You've got the Word, you've got prayer, and you've got the armor to stand against all the forces of darkness. And we are guaranteed by the Word of God that it'll quench every single fiery dart. Every dart, no matter what it might be. Every dart will be quenched. Now, if I'm going to walk in the light of anybody's covenant, I want to know that my covenant provides for me complete protection from all adversity and trouble. Amen? Well, let's... First of all, let's turn to 2 Corinthians. And uh, let's lay some groundwork before we actually get into any of the different types of prayer. And Lord willing... And time permitting, we'll begin to start some of the different types of prayer. But I want you to know, as we lay this groundwork, that God has not designed that you and I be a failure. He has never called unto himself a people and said, I'm going to protect you for a while, but then after two or three years, I'm going to let you go and you can fall flat on your face. That's not his goal and purpose in our lives. I think that if you are a child of God, and your early Christian walk was one of closeness to the Father, where you got your prayers answered, and you walked in the light of His Word, and His counsel, and healing power, and grace, and you were delivered all the time, and bless God, you had a joyous time in the Lord, and then three or four years had gone by, or five years had gone by, and it's very difficult for you to, to use your faith to get your prayers answered to get your needs met, to get your healing, to get your finances met. I would say that I would have to be quite alarmed. I think it's a time that we should open up our eyes to this fact. And let me say this while we're here. you found that scripture? Brother Hagen did it uh, talking with Oral Roberts concerning a survey that they did. Now, I know I told you this before, but I want you to see it in this light now. They sent out some questionnaires. To people concerning when uh, Brother Roberts laid his hands upon them to be healed under when his, in his ministry, this was back in the 50s when his healing ministry was going strong, and uh, I don't know, just like anybody else that's really in the ministry, because sometimes you wonder why there's and sometimes great success and in other times it seems like there's not any success, and uh, they were no different than anybody else, so he sent out a questionnaire to find out how many of the people that had hands laid on them in this series of meetings actually got healed. And he asked them, well, how long they've been a Christian, if they were a full gospel or a denominational person. And 6,000 of the um, questionnaires came back. And out of the 6,000, only 3% that were full gospel people, 3% now, 3% of the full gospel people got healed at all. That means 97% of the full gospel people did not get their healing when Brother Roberts laid his hands on them. Then of those that were denominational people that were not taught divine healing, didn't know anything about it, or just new converts, 70%, 70% of them were healed. And remained healed. They were either young Christians, or healing was new to them, or they were new converts, or may not even been saved at all might have got saved and healed right then. But look at that percentage: Three percent of full gospel and 70 percent of the younger ones. You see, he was getting quite discouraged in his ministry. Uh, you, you know, if a man's in that type of a ministry, and uh, sometimes you can have a tendency to look at all those that don't get healed and forget about those that did. And so, for their own satisfaction, they took up this survey to find out, you know, if what they thought was true, and it was. God expected those that were, should have been grown to a place spiritually that they could develop their faith and prayer life whereby they may obtain healing and deliverance for themselves you know, through another means you know, other than that way. They found out that God expected this of them that they didn't get discouraged in their ministries didn't get discouraged when they were laying their hands upon the sick and instead of getting their eyes on the full gospel bunch they got their eyes turned over to the the young ones that were just getting healed and thanking God for those that were getting healed. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you'll check out every ministry where divine healing was emphasized, or a person or an individual was called to have a ministry of divine healing, their ministries were destroyed by Satan. I would venture to say of those that I've read about, 75 to 90% of them were destroyed by the devil. You say, why is that? Beloved brothers and sisters, this is the realm the devil works in. This is the realm where we're living in. Now, we're to walk in the Spirit live in the Spirit, but I'm talking about we are more aware of this realm right now as we're growing. We should grow to where we can do more real spiritual things. But if he can get your eyes on all the defeat that's around you, if he can get your eyes on all the things that seem to be reality around you, and if he can keep your eyes off the word of God that still says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, he can hold your faith in such bondage that you'll never pray for the sick again. And as you can see, a lot of ministries have even been changed from preaching the pure word and just laying hands on the sick and letting the power of God do the work They've been changed and altered. And they're not doing it like that anymore. But I thank God for those that are. Amen? I thank God for those that, that are not looking at the, you know, those that are failures and those that have been defeated. I don't know why it is in Christendom. But it seems as though, if you got two people that stand here and give you testimony, one of victory, one of defeat, it seems like the majority, majority of the people will identify with the person that didn't get it. If you try to tell an individual, this one got healed and this one didn't, they more identify with the one that didn't than than the one that did. And they lift up the one that didn't for an example and say, see, this faith business doesn't work, and they, they forget about the one that did. Here's my observation that I make in cases like this. And I mean this from my heart. You know, I told this to even some, a group of ministers that were questioning my type of teaching. And I said this. I believe in being born again. Do you? And they said yes. I said, okay. I said, there are many that don't get saved even though we preach the word for being born again. I said, wouldn't you agree? And they said, yes, I agree. I said, are you going to stop preaching uh, that you must be born again? They said, no. I said, I commend you. I said, I believe in the baptism in the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. And I preached that from my pulpit. you believe in that? Yes, we do. Well, there are a lot That never get it. They don't understand it. And there's a lot that don't even believe in it. They never get it. They don't understand it. Isn't that true? Yes. I said, I'm not going to stop preaching it just because they didn't get it and they don't understand it. Because I thank God for those that do. They said, good. I said, now, brothers, I believe in faith. I believe in healing. I preach it. I believe in it. Many get it. Many don't. I don't care how many don't or how many do. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to preach the Word of God. Jesus himself, when he preached the Word, he said many would fall by the wayside, many would fall on stony ground, many would fall on this type of soil, etc., etc., etc. He said, you just keep on putting it out there. You keep on preaching the Word. And if you get your eyes off those that are just not getting it, he said, it'll defeat you. But if you keep your eyes on those that are getting it, then bless God, you're going to grow right along with them. And I told them, I said, now bless God, I believe it and I preach it and I'm not going to stop preaching it just because somebody's not getting it. I heard them say it at one meeting, I heard a lot, of this, this one certain evangelist say, we are tired, well, no, one pastor said, we are tired of getting these people that are being hurt by this faith message, they're walking out there on the streets and being, you know, cut down because of this faith business, they're not getting it, and we've got to pamper them back to health. Yeah. Yeah, pamper them back into doubt and unbelief. Yeah, that's really what, what you're saying. Put them back here, I'm going to preach in faith again. I'm going to preach in faith again. I'm going to keep preaching faith again. And if they had enough sense to stay, they stayed until they got it. That's right. Do you know what Peter said to Jesus? Thou hast the words of eternal life, to whom shall I go? Right? I don't want to go hear somebody preach doubt and unbelief. Do you? I want to hear somebody say that God don't want to heal you, or God don't want to set you free or deliver you, I'm going to stand there in that service or in that pew and sit down and say, Father God, I am a spirit being, I have a soul, I live in a body. I open up my spirit to you, I will hear the words that are going forth, they are words of faith." They are words of power. They are words of love. I will receive those words into my spirit. I'm asking you by your Holy Spirit to metamorphosize me, change me, quicken me, transfigure me, transform me. I'm asking you to heal my brains, open up my mind, bless God, where I can receive the light that's in your word. Because I know that that's the truth. It bears witness with my spirit. I know that's the kind of Father you are. I know that's the kind of God you are to me. And Father God, I'm just going to sit here until it happens, bless God. That kind of person God can do something with. Not this walking away business saying this don't work. I'll tell you right now. Someone said to me, Brother, why don't you send me some, a, a tape or two? Because I'll tell you something right now. That tape or two wouldn't do you any justice. You're not going to get this message by a tape or two. You're going to get this message by studying it day and night and meditating therein day and night that you may observe to do all that's written in the book. That you can have, be prosperous and have good success in life. That is the only way that we're going to do it. This scripture right here in 2 Corinthians, the 10th cha- chapter, verse five, 3 through 5. What chapter did I give you? Don't mind me. 10th chapter, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God that are mighty, they're mighty through God to the pulling down, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of these strongholds. What are our weapons? These weapons that he's talking about have got nothing to do with the weapons of this natural realm, this natural world. These weapons that he's talking about are namely three. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God, and the quickening power of the Holy Ghost. The name of Jesus is mighty. The word of God is mighty. The spirit of God is mighty. These are our mighty weapons of battle. And if we use these weapons of battle against all the forces of darkness which have been brought down to naught, they have been dethroned, I'd have to say that we are sitting in advantage point. Amen? Yeah. We have got a vantage point over. The only thing he's got on us is that we're walking in an earth realm, in an earth suit that is subject to the forces that are all around us. But, bless God, set your spirit free with the Word of God, with the name of Jesus, by the Spirit of our God, and we can put Satan where he belongs underneath and beneath our feet, bless God. Yeah. Amen? And we can walk out upon him as we're told in the 91st Psalm. You'll recall, this doesn't, only work, this doesn't only just work for us, you know, individually and collectively, but this works for nations. When I talk about our weapons and our warfare, I'm talking about warfare. Satan and all his cohorts try to destroy Israel from becoming an independent nation, try to destroy the city of Jerusalem from being taken over by the Jews to fulfill prophecy that is leading us into the end times. You remember the, the, the war that they had when the Jews finally took over Jerusalem? Well, the soldiers that were in the tanks, coming at all these man, these you know Jewish soldiers, they were just in their big armored tanks and they're going to destroy you know the Jews and kill them, wipe them off the face of the earth. And when that war was going on, all of a sudden you know they saw a reporter went up and even asked. They saw the you know they saw them getting out of their tanks and running back to the just just running, just hiring, killing it out of there. There was only a few Jews in a foxhole. And they want to know, why did you guys leave the site? Why did you guys leave your tanks and all your armor and all your equipment and just run off? There was only a few people out there. You could have just destroyed them all. And the guy said to the reporter, you you got to be nuts. He said, what are you talking about? There was only a few. He said, we looked out and we saw... On those grounds, millions upon millions upon millions of Jews all around us. And when we saw that, we jumped up and got out of there. And there was only a few of them. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. There are angels around you right now. Bless God, there's not enough gun power in this earth. There's not enough missiles and, and all kinds of bombs that's greater than our God. I mean to tell you, when he talks about weapons of your warfare, I think we, in our own natural carnal mind, we're relating the natural things. We're not realizing how big our God is. We're not realizing how much power he has. We're not realizing how powerful this word is. This word in the lips of a few believers carrying the Ark of the Covenant around the walls of Jericho caused one of the greatest cities that was most, most, you know, indestructible city there was with all the mighty... Powerful weapons they had in battle, and the walls that were around the city were so mighty and so thick they could ride horses and chariots across the top of the walls. They were so powerful, but one individual, Joshua, who spoke to the children of Israel and told them what to do, and just wait, don't say a word until I tell you to speak the word. Just speaking the word of God and walking around the walls of Jericho, all the power of God caused that whole city to be destroyed. That's how much power is in the word that's in your mouth. All the armies of Moab and Mount Seir that came to destroy Jehoshaphat and the armies of Israel and of Judah to destroy them. It didn't matter how many armies were coming from the east and the west and the north and the south. When they came, they sent out singers to go out there and sound the trumpet and to praise and sing glory unto God their Father. And when they did Hallelujah, all of the army armies were defeated. Now you think about that. And here we are saying, well, no, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I just can't seem to get out of this little trouble. You fighting the walls of Jericho? Are you? You fighting the Egyptian armies? All that the Egyptian armies tried to do couldn't hold the Jews there. Think about that. I just want you to realize how powerful your father is, and I want you to know how willing he is to move on your behalf if he has to. Send angels to your rescue. I believe this right now. As a matter of fact, I know in my spirit right now that the Father God wants the angels of God to be ministering in, in this assembly, in our personal lives, in our lives together, when we you know, join ourselves together in such a way like never before seen on the earth. I mean, you know, you, you think about when Jesus was here, how angels ministered. You think about now that Jesus is ready to come again. Jesus is, all, is, is, is passing his bags. He's ready to come back to the earth. He's ready to return to take home his people. You imagine all the angels that was, was, were involved in ministering at that time. I want you to realize that right now, this is a day that we're living in right now, that people are being more aware of the fact that angels are present around them and they are ministering spirits that are ministering for us. And I believe with all my heart that as we begin to speak the Word of God and know how to use the Word of God, that your angel is going to start to say some things to you and tell you some things. Tell you what to do and tell you what not to do. I believe that. I mean, that's all scripture. It's all in the Word. Didn't uh, an angel come and tell Peter? Or tell Cornelius to send for Peter And tell him where Peter was Did he tell him to do that? How else did he know? An angel told him angel of the Lord Angels were used to carry messages All throughout the Old Testament And those angels have not changed Bless God They still hearken unto the voice of his word And when they hear somebody speaking the word of God They're going to they're be right there by your side Them big old angels standing by you are starting I believe they're going to start appearing to it I believe that I believe that You know I, And I think I have to repent Because when we saw them angels I believe back then the Spirit of God was, was really moving upon me, my wife and myself, just talk more about these angels, the ministry of angels. And don't neglect the ministry of angels. Don't neglect what God has given us in our warfare. You talk about a warfare, you talk about what we have in our warfare. Not only do we have the name of Jesus in, in the Word of God, and prayer, and the Holy Spirit, but you have got, an, uh, you've got angels, a an innumerable company of angels all around you, ready at your beck and call to deliver you. The Bible says you even got the angel of the Lord camp around about you to deliver you. Does it say that? And when, uh, you know, Elijah the prophet w- and was at Duthan and, and the Assyrian army came to destroy them and, and kill them, and he knew that all the angels were out there, but he told to his servant, he said, open up his eyes, Lord, that he may behold and see. And when he looked at them, what did he see? Boy, that's not just a fairy tale story, just to let you know that he saw the angels. I want you to know something right now. God wants us to know that those angels weren't, were there, yes, but bless God, they're still right here, right now. They're all around us. And when we begin to acknowledge that they are here around right about us and we begin to use that ministry of angels effectively like we should, then they're going to start manifesting themselves. And I'll tell you, I'll go a step further. Jesus said, He that loveth me keepeth my word. He that keepeth my word, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved by my father. And I will come to him and manifest, manifest myself unto him. Jesus is going to start manifesting himself to those that keep his word and speak his word. That's right. Oh, I believe it. I mean, I believe it. That we're living in a great day, in a mighty day right now. Well, we're talking about prayer. It seems like, it seems like when you talk about some things like this, here the clock. Brother Terry and I were just talking today. We said, we said to me, we was praying back there, and lo and behold, it was only a few minutes to, to the hour. And we didn't know what it was. He said, when we get up in the glory, we're, I said, we're never going to have to do this again. Really. Amen? Yeah. We're not going to have to do that any again. A- again amen think about that we run our schedules around this clock and, and you know tapes and things like that but bless God we're going to slip off into glory there's not going to be any time for it's eternal amen well unless you want to have a camp meeting I guess I'm going to have to stop thank you for listening to our legacy teachings we pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry I want you to know that God loves you has a great plan for your life